sorry. Um, welcome back. Oh, oh, is this is this on? <laughs> Hello. Oh, hi. Well, uh, another episode. <laughs> Tap <Yeah>. the mic. <laughs> yeah, Hello. It's, good. it's a good sound effect. For the Madison Square Garden, how you feeling? Yeah, in in uh, Dan's room. Uh, that's the best part of that mixtape. Hey, welcome to another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chris. And we're both very excited to have a very good friend of the show on, uh, the very knowledgeable and talented Adam Sliger of Nightwinds. I think throwing knowledge into that initial pitch is very good foreshadowing in regards to the talk we had with him. Yeah, if you're a musician or creator or producer, you just like to learn things. Visionary of any kind. Pretty much. This is this is going to be the episode for you. I have learned more in this hour-long conversation than I have probably in all, I don't know, was it 12 years of public schooling? Right. You seem noticeably smarter. I feel smarter. I think my vocabulary has expanded. Right. Great diction, by the way. I Thank think you. that's what we need for a podcast. But what I will say is, you raised an interesting point. Now, you said he's a friend of the show. That would make sense, because he's a friend of ours, and he was on the show. But I don't know if him and the show are officially friends yet. I mean, they talked for an hour, I feel like. You know, they learned a lot about each other. So, if anything, like, maybe they're acquaintances with the chance to become friends? I guess it depends who you ask, but sure. Fair enough. And I guess we'll have to find out in this episode. Yeah. Um, you know, starting off, we, we just got into a little bit of everything with this guy. And to be honest with you, the conversation took a very interesting and informative turn. And I, I, I would just like to let you guys hear it at this point. So without further ado, please follow us on all sorts of the socials. Yep, we've got uh, Instagram, Twitter, and email. They're all at Talkin, T-A-L-K-I-N, with Andrew and Chris. The email will be at gmail.com. So, uh, you know, give us some feedback. Let us know what you think of us, our guests, who do you want us to have on the show, anything. And, and whatever your preferred listening platform is, uh, if you could like, subscribe, comment, leave a review, whatever, whatever the protocol is for that specific uh, platform, it would be very helpful to keeping this show going, keeping this show moving up the charts, and uh, just, just getting us better content and uh, episodes for you guys. And now, without further ado, here's a snippet of the song Never Be by Nightwinds. I got a new tattoo last night Inked into my skin A picture of both you and I I woke up and my skin was bare Everything erased like it was never even there So if we'll never be, never be, never be Never be more than this Just let me know So I can let it be, let it be, let it be Maybe I'll Today I am very excited to have Adam Sliger on the show. He's a longtime friend, producer, musician, so we're going to have a lot to talk about. Adam, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing good, dude. Thank you so much for being a part of this thing. We really appreciate it. Of course. It's the greatest honor of my life. Wow. <laughs> so far. You know, a lot of people have said that. That's high praise. <laughs> for a very new show, that really does mean a lot. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Glad to do it. Yeah, man. So um, just, just right off the bat, dude, congratulations on all the success with the new project, Nightwinds. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, we uh, see we see those monthlies, dude. That's pretty nice. Yeah, it's a slow build. That's good to see. Yeah, you know, you just start from zero, and you just every month you hope it gets a little bigger. Dude, that's so true. And it has been, right? Yeah, it has been uh, growing pretty decently. Uh, the biggest thing I've been doing with it is I've released a new single every single month, no matter what. Which is a scary uh, task to take on, but it's been pr- pretty rewarding so far. No, that's that's cool, and um, I, I don't think a lot of people know this, but you own a studio and are an engineer, correct? Yeah, right? that's correct. Um, I work at a studio called Pioneer Sound in Orlando um, with one other person, David, and just you know we record bands and artists, and then I do me my own music. And just kind of hang out and do do all that stuff. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Sounds like the life. <laughs> our, yeah. uh, our our audio guy T just chimed in and said he's actually heard of that, which is I think high praise because T he scours for studios. He owns one himself. <laughs> um, we won't name drop it now because you know he's he's already got a big enough head. But <laughs> um, no, yeah. So apparently T's on board, which is good. Sweet T for all the listeners out there. Love to hear it. Yeah. yeah, man. So so being an engineer and a producer, I'm sure you're busy with clients. Where do you find the time to work on your own music? Good question. I don't know yet. Um, today I woke <laughs> up at 7.30 so I could work on my uh, February track for about an hour and a half um, to try and squeeze it in and then do it in this podcast. And then I have a session at 12.30 with a band. So pretty busy. Just, you know, driving back and forth all the time. Wow. And uh, this Nightwinds project is not the first thing I've seen you work on musically. When when did you really start playing music and, like, wanting to be a real musician, quote-unquote? Oh, man. Uh, the first time that I played an instrument, I got a drum kit when I was, I want to say, like, 13. Uh decided that i wanted to be a drummer didn't we all and before that i wanted to ride dirt bikes so when i switched my mom was very happy because she thought i was gonna kill myself on a (laughs) a dirt bike wow so i traded it in for the drums and then eventually switched over to guitar and just didn't really look back yeah i've yet to make that switch i should i should try doing that (laughs) maybe i'll be a real musician after that yeah, you just got to get rid of your dirt bikes and then you can be a real musician, you know? Yeah, true. I do love my dirt bikes. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I can't get them off the damn things. It's it's really a pain. Oh my God. Is he sitting on a dirt bike right now? Shh. Stop, dude. Come on. You're, you're, lo- you're ruining the illusion. But uh, no, nah, man. That, that, so why drums? You know, I've never really heard of someone picking, aside from Andrew, drums to be their first <laughs> instrument. Usually it's like guitar. Like you want to be like Angus Young or Billy Joe Armstrong when you're a little kid, you know? Well, that's you, dude. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Most of my friends felt the same way. So when I was like a real a little munchkin running around, our ch- a church that we went to, their drummer was so fun to watch. I mean, he just had the deepest pockets, so I wanted to copy him, is really what it was. That's awesome. The deepest pockets. I really like that. Yeah, I've never heard that before. That's that's good. I'm going to use that. Yeah, he had his pocket. I mean, he was just, he still plays there, I think. I haven't been 
in a while, but that he's probably been playing there 15 years. Where was this? Uh, Northland Church that I went to. In Florida, I'm assuming? Yeah, in Orlando. Oh, so you're born and raised Orlando. Yeah, the true Orlando boy. Wow, how many times have you been to Disney World? Oh, at least 20, 30, maybe more. Got annual passes, so. Well, of course. I figured they just pass them out when you get a driver's license in Florida, right? <laughs> no, actually, they're <laughs> kind of expensive. <laughs> Does it not get old after a while? I mean, I've never understood the appeal of going to Disney over and over again. Well, then you didn't grow up watching the Disney classics. I did. See, my girlfriend, Sue Ann, is obsessed with it. She would go every day. Um, so it's kind of a chore sometimes to, you know, <laughs> third time in a month. I'm like, let's... Can we do something else? Why not Universal? Right? But <laughs> Universal, we had passes, and then we let them expire because they got rid of like all the r- good rides, and they just turned everything into like a simulator with a screen. So Thanks, Obama. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea the correlation there. It just sounded funny. I don't know. The kids say that. I'm not really sure. Yeah. So... Okay, so you started playing drums and guitar when you were a kid. When was like your first band? Because I, I highly doubt King the Kid was your first experience in a band. My first band that I played in was called Seven Months Later. Uh, nice. If you want to do some digging around on YouTube, you know we feel will. free. Um, I was like 14 when we started. Played in that band until college started. And we got to do some cool stuff i mean we played out out of town a little here and there probably our biggest show was opening up for all-star weekend oh nice uh the classic disney um band if you don't know all-star weekend they were um, oh they walked on richard's back we know yeah they were (laughs) they were cool guys um and then this other band action item we played with them a few times oh word uh, they were from up north where you guys are from. Yeah, Jersey. Yeah, and they are, um, they've taken an interesting path since they broke up. Like, Anthony is now Halsey's manager. Yeah, he, he's and killing Mark it. Mark owns, like, a fashion jewelry brand. Like, it's been crazy to watch what those guys are up to yeah. since Axe and I Yeah, definitely days. not the typical uh, musician route, I guess. No. Well, maybe Anthony, but definitely not opening up a high-end jewelry store afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, pretty crazy. So yeah, we did that band for, I want to say four years, five years, and then when that ended, just switched over to recording. And I've always been producing people since then, and you kind of get ideas for your own music from that, you know, like, oh, it would be cool to be an artist, Mm -hmm. you know, but oh, but I'm, you know, too busy producing. And then... Fast forward to like October of last year, I just said, you know what, this is dumb that I'm not doing my own project because I want to. Uh, my buddy Nick Roberts has been putting out a song a month for like 15 or 18 months now. Wow. And Good on him. just watching his growth over that time period, I'm like, if I start doing that now, you know, next October, I'll be a year deep in a project where I've been, you know, putting out a lot of music. Yeah. It I mean, seems to be the new way that uh things are shifting because I feel 
as much as I hate to say it, like the album is sort of uh, becoming antiquated. You know, like the attention span just isn't there anymore unless you're still in select genres, like whether it's punk rock or like reggae, you can give them a full album. People are okay with waiting two years, but like you have a lot of pop in your music. I, I, I know you probably wouldn't call it like top 40s pop, but I hear a lot of pop sensibilities when I listen to Nightwinds and all the artists in that realm seem to be shorter releases whether it's like two or three songs over the course of a few weeks or just like the monthly trend so i mean what was that something you took into consideration or, or were you just like i own a studio and i can write like very very efficiently and i'm just gonna do this i think there's a lot of factors that went into it the first one is definitely the album cycle it just takes so long if i'm gonna make 12 or 10 songs and put them all out on one day you you know, I spent what I spent six months on it, three months, even if I rush and then everything comes out on the same day. You've given, you've gone from zero to 12 or 10 songs without any feedback from anyone, no response on how people are digging what you're doing. And then another part of it is if you, let's say I wait six months to put the first song out. Cause I'm just trying so hard to, make everything perfect and the way that it is if i say here's my baby i spent six months on it and it's it's good but it's not the best song you've ever heard and then i wait another three months and it's like here's this i spent so long and i did all this you know you're gonna judge that differently than what i'm doing now if i put out a song and you know if my march song isn't your favorite song you're gonna say okay well let's see what he does in april you know and there's kind of a path that everyone, you don't have to even really promote, I feel like, as hard because everyone just knows you're doing a song every month. It's not like, hey, everyone, look at me. I'm putting out my single now. It's just kind of the thing that I'm doing. So it kind of makes sense for me. Just do a song a month and keep growing. And you can evolve from month to month and show people what you're doing. And if it, if one song is a little different than the other, that's cool to do because there's so many songs all the time and i guess that's sort of a way to you know like throw paint at a an empty canvas and sort of see what style sticks and what style doesn't have you thought about i'm sure you have you've taken that into consideration i'm sure oh for sure and it's nice too because i'm really doing this like one month at a time like i have a song i'm up through march now written but I'm putting out a January song on the 25th and then February I'm going to compile all the five singles that I have so far into an EP and then take March off and then April is going to be the next single. So I'm really writing like as I go so I can kind of write about whatever I'm feeling at the time and it comes out and then I can be happy with that and then move on to the next. It's not a lot of tinkering. It's not a lot of you know, going back and forth on what sound do I want to be or what image do I want to have? It's just, this is me. This is my song. Hope you like it. See you next month for the next one. No, yeah. That that uh, that actually is something along the lines similar to what we're doing. But, um, you know, I went to film school. Tristan has... He also did a little bit of film school. And so, like, for us, we kind of want to have, like, a visual aid with every song. We're shooting for one song a month. We're not going to go out there and say we're definitely going to be able to do that because we do want a video for each song. But mm-hmm. I think that, like, I've seen a lot more of my friends who are sort of on, like, the independent side of pop taking this approach. And it seems to only be benefiting them. 
So, yeah, it's tricky too because obviously there's a desire to make like an album, but yeah, sure. I think it should be about building an audience first because it's kind of tough to promote something once it's out already and to grow it. So if you make an album and put it out and you don't really have an audience, you're kind of going to be saying, Oh, check out this thing that I put out in July of last year. And I'm not putting anything out again until July of this year. You're kind of like in this limbo period. Yeah. And unless you have someone who can get you press and, and interviews, you know, to keep you constantly with new content, it's, it definitely is tough. Yeah. I mean, my biggest advice for anyone in the business that's artists or producers, have something, you want to have something that just came out. And you also want to have something that's coming out because you want to be looking forward to what's next. But don't forget about what you've already released too. So many times I see people put out an album and then like, Two weeks later, they're done talking about it. They don't post about it. They're not making music videos for it. And it just dies that day that it came out. Right. Right. That's actually something we spent like the better half of last week doing in the studio was we were um, we, we were done having demos and we were done writing new songs because we just keep adding to the demo pile. Let's finish these up now and get them ready to be put out, you know? So we sort of played catch up too, which I think is important if you're on this sort of one song a month or, or consistency journey that I've been seeing right. a lot of people go through. Yeah. And it's tricky too, because there's a balance of wanting something to be perfect and totally represent everything that you want your art to be, but also actually finishing things and putting them out. And I think a lot of people fall down on saying, all right, this is done, putting their stamp on it and then putting it out to the world and then starting the next thing. Because if you're always trying to beat your own work before you put something out, you're just going to be in an endless cycle where you never actually do it. Dude, I have so many friends who I know, and it just, they are more talented than I could ever be. You know, like with, with one fiber of their being, they can play guitar 10 times better than I will when I get, you know, 100,000 hours, let alone 10,000 hours down on that instrument. And they just... They get so caught up in their head, their their demo, their recording they did themselves wasn't perfect, and they go back to square one, and it's just so frustrating, you know? But see, I like that approach, man. You, you, you can't, I don't think you can harp on anything, especially when you're recording, writing, and producing all yourself. It's going to be a learning process. Right. And you could take, I mean, look at all the music that's out there in the world. Nobody would agree on any one song being perfect, right? True. Including your own. So if you put out something that you think is good and you like it, there's going to be other people out there that think it's good and like it. And it may not be even in your own head, like perfect, but there, you could look at the top 100 songs and there's something that you would change about all of them if it was your song. Right. But that doesn't mean that it's not good and you know worth putting out. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've been uh, working on is like, trying to separate my own personal musical taste from is this song done slash good you know like is it is it ready to be put out or is it just like i don't like this song i don't i don't know it's hard to it's hard to figure that out yeah it's tough to gauge your own work because you can never experience it from a third party's perspective right Mm -hmm. you know like kanye west said his biggest regret is that he'll never get to watch himself perform live which you kind of laugh and go oh that guy's so you know yes self-involved or whatever (laughs) 
But then you think about it, and it's like, man, it would be nice to watch my own show in the crowd and be there and see what it's like, because you never really get to. It honestly makes a lot of sense, because I personally believe, like, I listen to our songs. I'm not listening to our songs all the time, but I do listen to our own music, because I think if you want other people to like what you're doing, you have to be a fan of what you're doing first and foremost. Right. So that's actually a pretty genius way to put that. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes sense because every time that I put on a show, it's like I'm working on the lights and the backdrop and all this stuff, and obviously the music too, but you kind of spend the whole show with your back to the show. So it's it's kind of a bummer sometimes, but you can see the crowd react to it, and obviously that's fulfilling too, but it would be kind of nice to be able to just stop and, and look at it for a song or two maybe that's why those big artists do that thing where they put the little stage in the middle of the crowd and they run out and play on that little stage because they just want to look at the stage yeah and see how nice it looks <laughs> maybe seen plenty of people do that the ego box that's why they fly around the audience like oh how does this how does this venue look while i'm playing it yeah rivers cuomo did that when i saw them and i honestly thought it was pretty douchey what flew around this the, mm-hmm. well like flew? his like security detail no but he was like running around oh, like just oh, oh, oh fucking looping like the verse of right. pork and beans thought, or something i thought you were saying that they like he was like on a harness or something flying around the audience i was like that oh, no. is a rivers cuomo move i think it was it was <laughs> it was an amphitheater so there was no gotcha, top gotcha. Ceiling. but um adam so you know you actually just brought up something that i didn't even know so so when you perform which i'm sure hasn't been a while um for like any like solo project because i haven't seen any nightwind shows but you, you're a part of not only just the, the musical performance but you do lights you do all this other stuff uh, dive into that for us if you could yeah i'm kind of a nerd uh when it comes <laughs> to visual things like i love graphics and light shows and stuff like that so i've been pretty into building light shows for stages so i have a decent little collection of lights and the last show that i put on i do these events like once a quarter maybe where we do um it's kind of like emo night and like warp tour mixed together like we do a live band playing like kind of the all the nostalgic like myspace songs (laughs) uh it's pretty fun but i built a pretty crazy light show for that and i used the venues lights too and program those in like I went the day before and wrote down all the addresses of the lights and patched myself in with my laptop and you know get the smoke machines going and stuff. It's kind of fun. It's a different element to the show that I think a lot of people forget about or just say, "Oh, the venue has lights." But if it does really make it that one up, one notch above experience where it's like, "Oh, this is like a professional band." Right. Now, for uh, for art for artists listening who you know want to have a dazzling live show but either can't afford it or don't even know how they would do that, like where is somewhere that you would think someone could start to either find, you know, not cheap but just cost effective lights and or the know how or programs to use those lights to make your show better? Because I would not know where to start, and I think that our band could use a killer light show for these songs. Yeah, hundred percent. So the the first place you want to start is DMX is a system where lights lights are run off of, and so every light 
you can give it an address from one to 512, I want to say. Don't quote me on that. And there's these cables. They basically look like an XLR, like mic cable, but they take data through. And so you can pick which addresses each light has, and then you send out a signal to each light of when to turn on and off, basically, and what color to be. And you can use LED strips, like straight up from Amazon, and get a little box that will send the signal. And you can use MIDI in like Pro Tools or Logic or anything like that to actually send out all the information. So if you run like backing tracks, you can synchronize with a MIDI like notes track what the lights are going to do to react to the music. Wow. And it's pretty in depth. Like you can get in depth as in depth as you want. But the main thing I would say is if you're like a opening band or you're playing a show where you're not going to have a lot of time to set up, like you want to make sure that whatever you're doing is super efficient so that you can get, you know, basically just run the cables to each light the same way you would run like your guitar amp cables, you know, and go like, you don't want to have to, be up there forever doing this stuff yeah totally wow it that simultaneously sounded so uh, attainable and easy and also like i need to go to school for four years just to understand half of the words you <laughs> right. just said you made it sound very easy but in my mind i know it's gonna be hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there's a youtube video for everything these days though people are yeah, making tutorials for how to establish 2006 <laughs> yeah i mean you could do you can learn anything on youtube call it youtube university at this point because honestly i mean you can learn a whole career off of it not sponsored but yeah not sponsored yeah <laughs> youtube you is uh I've coming learned, soon i've learned how to replace many a different kind of cars headlights via youtube so i can attest to youtube being quite the learning tool no for sure i mean you at- can learn how to play any instrument on there for real yeah absolutely that's how i learned how to play the mandolin I've forgotten it since, but I did learn how to play it off of YouTube. And I'll tell you what, the C chord sounded right. There, well, there you go. That's yeah. all that matters. I mean, this this age that we're in with the whole internet being what it is, you can make yourself anything that you want. Like, you can sit there, and if you want to soak up as much knowledge as you can, you can become proficient in anything well enough that you can make a full-time career out of it which I think we don't appreciate as much as we could, but you can really transform yourself into anything you want to be at this point. Right. Any job title. Obviously you can't be like a doctor or something where you have to have a certificate, but well, you need to go to WebMD for that. Oh, of course. Right. Of course. (laughs) So you can still do that off of the internet, just not YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) But it is an underappreciated part of, I think what's going on here with the whole technical revolution, like you could, Absolutely. you could, you can learn how to be, I mean, even podcasts, what we're doing now back in 1972, if you wanted to reach people the way that you're able to do it right now, you would have to go to school for it. You would have to apply for jobs at radio stations and work your way up to maybe get on the mic one day. And if you wanted to be like a talk show host, like forget about it unless that's your you know career path that you're taking but now you could start a podcast with your boys and just upload it and you could reach 
way more people now than you ever could back then. Absolutely. I think we keep forgetting that because now we go on the internet and we see like a picture of an egg breaking the record for the most liked picture on Instagram and people realize, forget, I should say, what the internet is really capable of. Right. Yeah, it's very dumb and very crazy smart at the same time. You can, mm-hmm. however you want to spend your time on the internet. I mean, if you added up the amount of time I've spent on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and like Reddit. Yeah. And say I was I could learn how to be anything during that time, probably. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna front. I did like that egg pick. I, I did like it. I didn't. No, you're stronger than I am. <laughs> I saw someone tried to make an orange that was gonna like take the record over, Lame. and I liked that. I'm an underdog kind of guy. Lame, <laughs> an underdog, and we're okay. Well. An un- under orange, under I don't orange. know. An underdog in the conversation of an egg in an <laughs> orange competing for likes. This, you know, this is this makes me sad to think about what you just said. This is how <laughs> I spend my time on the internet. I really should be a graphic designer, an audio engineer, um, a filmmaker, uh, a filmmaker. Oh man, dude, you you know, after this phone call, I think I'm gonna quit the podcast and just <laughs> get my get a hold of my life. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, of course. I mean, that would really be for anyone that's listening to this. Like, you have time on your hands. You have to find it, though. Absolutely. Make so if you want to be a graphic designer, like, take Facebook and Reddit and Twitter and Instagram off your phone and get, you know, get to designing. Take an hour a day away from something dumb. And if you're making, you know, if you're doing laundry and dishes, listen to a podcast about design. You know, don't. You can find time throughout the whole day where you yeah. can learn you can learn without even having to do anything. You could play a podcast about the philosophy of design while you're driving. And yeah. it, you know, if you're an Uber Eats driver, you can literally study for like going home and becoming a graphic artist. Absolutely. Just take an hour out of your day and listen to Talking with Andrew or Chris, a podcast about music life and everything in between. I promise it'll make your life better. Yeah, definitely. I, you. I mean, even Cameron, <laughs> the guy, Cameron, the guy that does our artworks for yeah. both of our projects, he was like a Postmates driver a year ago. I did oh, not really? know that. You, you, yeah, you did a deep dive. Started going hard on like art and three D design, you know. And he was doing something kind of like what I was doing. He was he posts an, an image every day that he made, no matter yeah. what, mm-hmm. and. He posted like his first one that he ever did, and then his most recent one a little while ago. And the first one was like, and he's doing three D three D renderings of like objects, so it looks like you're in Stranger Things or something, but it's all digital. And the first one was like a paint can, like a one color can of paint sitting on like a white background. And then day, you know, three sixty five was like this crazy landscape with like a car in it and all this stuff. Like he, you know, it takes a year to do something like that, but. Well, that's sort of why I referenced like the the 10,000 hours earlier. Like I've definitely put in my 10,000 hours on guitar, but there's still so much more to improve upon, you know, that's why I don't really believe in that as sort of um, a mastery. Like like a what would you call it? Like a sort of like a, a, a like a, a road to mastering something. I think you never stop fine tuning your craft. Right, totally. Right. And Cameron is a perfect example of that. Um, the dude well, makes my day every day. I scroll and I see his post, and I'm like, 
that's fucking awesome. You know, right. and it yeah, just gets me stoked. It. Gets me stoked. Well, have you put in ten thousand hours on social media? Because I feel like everyone I'm pretty scared. much has. I'm scared to find out the answer. Yeah, to that. probably. And you know, I actually wanted to get your opinion on this because it seems like you approach things from a very well thought out and super realistic mindset. You know, as artists, I've thought about. As a human being that's not an artist, I would not have Facebook, I would not have Twitter, I would not have Instagram. Absolutely. But as an artist, like even because I have deleted over the over the years, I've probably deleted and re-downloaded Twitter like thirty times. But every time right. I take that off, two hours later, I re-download it because I'm like, I'm doing my art a disservice in 2018, 2017, whatever it may be. Like, what is your thoughts on that? Because that's the reason I'm so plugged in, quote unquote. You know. It's tough because. You need the internet to build an audience, obviously, but you also don't want to be there sometimes. And I think one thing that helps a lot is just stop thinking that you have to see every post and read every tweet and like experience all of it. Because if you say, I need to scroll until I've read every tweet for the whole day, it kind of reminds me of this quote. It was the uh, singer from Vampire Weekend. He said, if you don't go on Twitter for a day, you feel like you missed everything. But yeah. if you don't go on it for a week, you feel like you didn't miss anything at all. Well, it's like about breaking the cycle is what I got right. from that. Yeah, so I would say if you're going to be on Twitter, like how long does it take to send a tweet? You know, Maybe you spend a minute typing and proofread it and hit send. Then close it and say, who cares what else is going on, you know? Right. Don't, don't scroll all the way to the bottom and look at every single picture. And if you're going to post on your Instagram, like, I honestly, it's to the point where I would say Louis C.K. and some other, like, comedians out there, they don't follow a single person. Oh, yeah. I've seen, like, Childish Gambino and people like that do that, too. Right. You have zero following and you just tweet into the ether and whoever is supposed to receive it receives it but your timeline is just your tweets and like i'm kind of getting to the point where i might just do that because i see myself like you're you know do you guys have iphones both of you right yep yeah do you have them out yes, yes. go on there and look at your screen time oh dude i've I get, do do I, get, I get I get the notification. How do you do that? I get the notification like every week where it's like, oh, your screen time's down to only like two hours today. And I'm like, what? Two hours in, out of the day? I've been staring oh, at my phone. Time. Okay, continue. All right. Like, let's see how many hours we're averaging. Uh, yeah. Sweet T just chimed in and said Instagram has a feature now as well. Yeah, Instagram Which is something similar, supposedly, if you didn't know, Adam. It has a feature where you can do what? It, it does the exact same thing. It tells you. Tells you how like, long you've been looking how at it. Long. Okay, yeah, I never so, set mine up, so I'm I'm only at two seconds right now. Okay. I didn't know about we'll, this. So we'll sorry. check back in. I'm gonna tell mine it's embarrassing. I'm just gonna say it right off the bat. It's too much. But my screen time is in the last seven days, my average is five hours. And is that a week over week or what? Like, what's the Five, uh... over the week? It averages out like how many hours you spend a day. Okay. So I'm at like five and a half hours a day on my phone. I've never in depthly looked at this app. This is blowing my mind. It tells me. It it's... tells you which one you which app you open first on average when you pick up your phone. Right. Oh wow, so... that's crazy, dude! I'm gonna really get into this. I think. 
But and I like want to get it to the point where mine is like an hour. Yeah, straight absolutely. Up. An hour a day, max. And then other than that, and I want it, I wish that they would set it up where like you can do an hour plus, because you can limit certain apps. Yeah, for sure. But then you can ask for 15 more minutes. So you, it's like a snooze alarm. You just keep hitting it. Oh. And, You're blowing my mind right now. I had no idea that this is going to help me so much, I think. But I'm going to turn off like social networks altogether. Just like give me 10 minutes a day. I'll tweet. I'll post the end. I'm not going to look at anyone's story. I'm not going to read anyone's tweets because it's not building anything in me. I'm not learning when I do that. I'm not growing, you know. This is true. Um, I just want to go on the record and say that if you unfollow me, I will be offended. <laughs> All right. I'm going to follow one person. Okay. I'm just wow, and it's not me, I'm, dude. Come I'm on. actually curious. Tristan, did you pull yours up? Sweet tea? What, what's, your, what's your screen time so we can tell Adam? Uh, just like what does it tell what's, you? What's your average? What's your average? Give us, give us any number. Okay, he's about five hours too. Five hours. It's bad. Five hours a day for the last week. That's well, yeah. Well, you know what I've realized though. Whenever I'm doing like, even like doing a session with a artist, I find myself on there. Like they'll be singing a take, and then I'm like scrolling through and listening at the same time, and like I'm giving them, you know, hey, do this better, do this instead. But I'm like reading tweets at the same time. It's like I. I need to like live in the moment that we're in. Absolutely. More. Mm-hmm. And we can I edit see- that out too if you want. I don't want to. I don't want to be messing with your business. Yeah, we don't want to put you on blast. No, I mean it's tr- it's true though. Like, don't, he does it too. I don't. Yeah, we all do it. And I see even other engineers like if there's a live, we're doing live takes where it's like five minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, you see other engineers will sit there and scroll through Instagram, and it's like, man, we're you know we're stuck on these things. Our attention span has gone way down in the past few years. We're plugged but in. It's, it's tough because even, let's say I decide, all right, today I'm not going to look at my phone for anything. If you're at dinner with your friends, like, they're on theirs. So yep. then you're, like, bored. So it's like, hey, like, I'm up here, guys. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'll tell you what. I'm always the guy at a dinner who has his phone out, but I'm not on it. I like to talk, and it frustrates me when I'm with people. I just caught up with some old friends last week. We haven't seen each other in about two years, and it's just like there was no conversation at first. We were all just on our phones, and then the conversation started where someone's like, hey, look at this tweet. And I was like, oh, this is sad, but at least I'm hanging out with my friends right now, you know? (laughs) And it was just like one of those things where it was like upsetting. So I feel you on that, dude. I really do. Yeah, I mean, we need to do something about it. And it's tough because you kind of justify it like, oh, well, I need to like be, you know, connecting with people or whatever. But at the end of the day, how much is that really helping? Yeah, no, absolutely. this is true. Um, switching gears a little bit, just because this is something I've, I've always wondered, um, because we do it. We record ourselves. We, we mix ourselves. We, we master ourselves. I mean, you know, like tea... Sweet Tea is doing the mixing and mastering, and we'll give our input notes. But we we don't really get other ears on our songs, and and it's it's possibly a monetary thing, but mostly I think it's just because I feel like that's like a very pure way to create nowadays. And I feel right. like you're you're similar to us in that in that respect. So how do you feel about that? What's your take on that part of the, you know, it's, taking out that third party from the process? It's cool, and. It's definitely leading to like a more diverse musical palette out there. Like 
you can find people that are super high def crispy recordings and then even like bedroom pop like lo-fi you know garage band style stuff and it can all sound really good just depending on what you do with it but it is i think a tricky thing a lot of artists want to mix themselves and and then they don't because they think it's not what they're supposed to do so they send it to someone else and then they mix it through that person like here's what I want you to do with this, do this, do this. They give them like pages of notes and revisions and stuff like that. And it gets to the point where it's like, you should have just mixed your own song because you're really paying someone else to just make your mix that you wanted. So when I do my Nightwind stuff, I'm not mixing it. I send it to a guy that I've met in person like once and he lives in Colorado and his name is Seth and I just tell him, do what you think will sound good. And I don't send him revisions. I just take the mix. I mean, there's maybe like, oh, I could use a little less vocals in general. But I'm not right. saying like, turn up the left side of the this or that or EQ this differently, more compression. Like, if there's something that I want to be super compressed, I just compress it myself. And that's how it goes to him. And then anything outside of that, I'm just like, yeah, he mixed the song. I'm paying someone to mix it the way that they would mix it. Yeah. So there you go. That's the mix. Like, I don't think it's I don't think it's helpful to like give someone the keys to the car and then like be a backseat driver. You know. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Um, I, that that's interesting because I was under the impression since you owned a studio that you you mixed mastered and recorded everything yourself you know um is the, is it because you're a solo artist whereas like we're a band so even though like Tristan uh one of the members of our band Sweet Tea records everything for us and all that we we still all have like five four other ears on it but is is the is that the reason why you go to at least one other person or is it just that you would never want to cuz I'm sure you mix your own clients work right right okay so yeah, explain explain that thought process if you could. That's really something that interests me. So part of it is I just really like Seth's mixes. And I think that's something that people should do when they try to find someone that's mixing their stuff is actually listen to the mixes that are in these people's portfolios and talk to them and see which ones they like and which ones they had the most like control over. And not necessarily just like who mixes like cool artists or bands that you like. And then the second thing is, since I do have clients, for my business side of producing, I need to put them first. And since I want to do a song a month, I couldn't have myself like working on a client's project and then putting it on hold so that I can finish my song for this month. And then, you know, they're getting their mixes late for me because I'm mixing my own song and you know, they're like, oh, hey, I recorded this thing three weeks ago and Adam's song is already out and mine is still sitting on his computer. Like, I didn't really want it to interfere. That's smart. You're smart so it's guy. a way that I can do both well. You know, I can still put out a song every month, but I can make a song on my laptop with headphones and then s send it to to Seth to mix it. And it sounds amazing. And I didn't have to like be even at home or at the studio i can do a song on the bus if i want you know or in a laundromat somewhere right so, so that's been kind of freeing yeah 
I mean, it, from what I've heard, Seth is doing a fantastic job. All three of those tracks that are out right now are fire. Yeah, Thank for you. sure. Um, one thing that I think uh, really speaks to Andrew and I is, um, and I know he wanted to ask you this question. I'm kind of jumping in and taking his question right now. But the saxophone, dude, it's a very nice touch. And you're, I, I, I mean, I want to say the music is in the realm of synthwave, but it's not quite synthwave because it's a little more organic to my ears than like what mm-hmm. some some artists like you know the Midnight and FM84, if you've heard of those guys, are doing. Yeah, but you you still have sort of like the same the same beats, but then I think you're Similar just a attitude. little you're a little more I think marketably appeal like broader. Yeah, because it's so organic. Like I hear a real kit in your songs, less nichey in a way. Right, right, right. Those bands are great. You know, absolutely. Midnight was in my top five on Spotify. Of course, but so if you would if you wouldn't mind talking about that, like your approach, and if if we're even correct in saying that about your music. Yeah, I think um, synthwave music is like a big influence on what I'm doing in retrowave and like vaporwave, all the like lo-fi kind of stuff in the 80s. Like I'm using a lot of drum machine beats and I actually ended up buying a drum machine so that I could like program them by hand instead of just using loops. And I'm doing a lot of guitar, um, but in ways that you wouldn't expect. Like I... Only I don't really have any songs where you str- there's any strummed chords at all. It's all picking little notes and like stuff like that. And the saxophone, uh, my buddy Christian Ryan has been playing all the saxophone on my stuff. I wanted to do, and that's kind of like a callback to the '80s, like night driving kind of music, like the soft rock and the even like George Michael type stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just an interesting thing because even I think the last song I could think of that really had a saxophone on it that was on the radio was like Katy Perry last Friday night I think has a My saxophone. My favorite Katy Perry song. It's like super auto-tuned saxophone. Oh yeah, it's not Kenny G. I think there was a Lady Gaga song with uh Clarence Clemens also from that time. Yeah. That was like and pretty so big. I kind of want to bring it back a little but in a different way than what they're doing because this is more like, you know, there's not auto-tune on the saxophone, and there, but mm-hmm. there is a lot of reverb and distortion and, like, almost guitar effects. Right. Right, like, what I was going to say is the way you went about capturing the saxophone, it, it simultaneously sounds very raw as well as um, produced. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you, you found a nice fine line of, like, keeping certain qualities of, like, modern production while, like, staying true to that, you know, 80s night drive sound that you had mentioned. Well, a lot of it is parallel processing. So, in it basically, you you take one track and you put, um, like, let's say I have a saxophone, right? Then I make like a super distorted channel and I send a little bit of the saxophone into that. So you get like the saxophone, but you also get this distortion and super compressed sound that goes along with it. And you just kind of blend the two, and you get like the touch of both and that kind of is where that comes from like it's a kind of a blended in distortion so it doesn't sound like a synth you know it still sounds like a real saxophone but you've kind of blended in the processing instead of just putting it on top that's awesome uh i've noticed obviously you're uh singing in night winds and i believe in uh delta and donna was lloyd was the lead singer right yeah so delta and don was for those who don't know kind of like a rock 
indie project that I did an it was EP awesome. with. Oh, thank you. Uh, the goal for that was to make music that could get put in TV shows and commercials, basically, and then also be like a rock band. Right. Uh, Lloyd, the other guy I did it with, he's a touring um, crew member. Basically, his full-time job is to tour. And so we ended up kind of not having as much time as as we wanted together because I'm producing artists and he's touring. So when he's home, if I'm busy, then you know things kind of just didn't really line up with our schedules right as well as we'd hope uh but i i sang probably 40 percent of that stuff okay but this i'm singing almost all of it but i want to start and then kind of for the future my plan is to start doing remixes for other artists that are kind of in my style and having other artists like feature right all my songs too adam so that um, i can kind of have that collaboration aspect again and no pressure because it honestly might be really funny if you decline this live on the podcast. But I've actually been trying to do sort of that kind of thing. So if you want afterwards, maybe we could like talk because we have some stuff. Basically, like with our band, we very much, I very much so have always chosen to grow and develop the sound in the public eye, sort of back to what we spoke about earlier, you know. Right. People who get so, oh, this was great, but now I wrote this that's better, so I'm not going to put that out yet. And they just never put something out. I've always sort of, I've known I could have that problem, so I choose to develop over time. And I, I feel like, you know, I'd like to hear some of the music you have coming out, but stylistically, we might be getting closer together. But, you know, that is the right approach, I think, because remixing other artists right now is a great way to A, grow off each other's audiences, network. It's sort of like if, if you look on Spotify, like why most of the 100 top artists in the world are DJs. Yeah. They're always yeah. collaborating with someone else. So I really, I really respect that mentality. I think that's the smart approach. Well, it's kind of fun because you hear a song you like and you just go like, oh, I like this. It's all, now it can be my song too. Like if you're, if you do remixes, right. like you can really say, Hey, I like this song. I want it to be mine and you can put <laughs> your own spin on it. And absolutely. Yeah. And it's your song too now. And people, I think there's room in the world for so much media now. Like you could do 10 remixes of the same song with 10 different producers. And like people are going to listen to all 10 of them because people just consume media like a record pace every day there's more and more well, yeah i see i see plenty of artists they put out a single and then mm -hmm. like a week or two month later they put out a little ep that's just remixes that of that one single that's exactly what i was gonna say like yeah. you know chain smokers marshmallow all those guys Go have even that. ghost does that ghost put out a single and then they put out an ep that had three remixes on it oh really yeah everybody <laughs> does that, that yeah now you seem you seem like you're very um ahead of the curve and uh I think that's going to keep bringing your project success. Um, yeah, definitely well-informed. We know you have a busy day ahead of you, so uh, just, just wrapping up here, um, what can we expect from Nightwinds and, and you going forward in the future? Where do you plan on taking the project? You know, Can we expect shows? Is this just something that's going to be studio for now? Uh, we'd love to hear about what's going on in the next few months, February yeah, on so and all that. February, I'm planning for like the last day of February to be where my EP comes out. Um, it's going to be the four singles that I'll already have out plus a brand new one. Just kind of organize it all and condense it into one neat little package. And then I'll t probably end up taking March off from putting out a song so I can just kind of, you know, post more about the EP. And then I have April. I'll probably just jump right back in 
for a song a month, go five more months and combine those to an EP and just see where I'm at from there. I don't plan on playing any shows soon, but if something were to come up, I would probably do it. Being a solo artist, it is kind of tricky because you're gonna. I'm gonna have to find people to play with, mm-hmm. uh, which shouldn't be impossible, but it it'll be fun. But that's something I don't want to start thinking about yet because I want to have a lot more music first. Okay, so yeah. you don't want to take the approach because I feel like you're very much so a hybrid between like being in a band and a DJ group. Just just by the sounds you use and the styles you blend, you're not a fan of taking the approach of, if it was a good show, just run it through the tracks and you'll just sing with the laptop there? Um, you know, I, I've been toying with the idea of coming up with like a one-man show kind of thing where I could do some looping and like play multiple instruments and kind of build stuff on stage. But I think there's something about a drum kit on the stage that I just like <laughs> with someone <laughs> playing it the whole time. Respect. It's loud. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think i honestly, I might try to do some like DJ sets or something like that too. We'll have to see. And that's the the beautiful thing about doing a song a month. It's like, you're not locking yourself into one box forever. Like you can, I can expand into whatever territory you know, if I want to start DJing or do remixes or anything like that, you know, it's not weird to do. Totally, totally. Well, I, for one, am very excited for everything that's coming out because all the songs, like I said, are really good. Snake, Snakes in the Grass, dude, that song is a bop. Like, well, thank you. I'm going to be putting that one on repeat for a while. But uh, thanks for thanks for talking with us, man. We I, I had a blast. I learned a lot today. Yeah, I think yeah, this was course. a really good episode, man. Thank you so much for being a part yeah. of this thing. Really opened my eyes to my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, thank so, you guys for having me. And everyone, look at your screen time and try to get that number down. Absolutely. Real quick before you go, we can they can expect the song a month. Where can they find you in that song a month? So if you want to follow me, um, everything is under Nightwind's music, N-I-G-H-T-W-I-N-D-S music. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, everything is there. Um, I'm putting everything on YouTube and SoundCloud too, but I feel like most people are just kind of doing either Spotify or Apple Music. So mm-hmm. could check it out. I could agree. Awesome, Adam. Thank you so much, man. Have a good day and Thanks, enjoy man. that hey, session later. Oh, thank you. Cool. Peace. Peace. my time just talking to some ordinary people about their ordinary lives it's so hard to feel alive just talking about the weather with somebody who could care less about how i feel inside maybe is there some kind of way that you feel about me Is there something stuck in the way? Baby, is there something to say? Can we talk about it? Tell me all your secrets and stay Tell me What's your favorite movie? 
Can we get coffee And tell each other stories From when we were kids And we did what we wanted with our lives With our lives I feel like there's so much to say I'll start with something simple like how was your day? Or do you wanna run away? Yeah, I'll twist up my words. My tongue's tied in a knot now, so I cannot concentrate. Do you think that'll be okay? Maybe is there some kind of way that you feel about me? Is there something stuck in the way? The way. Something to say Can we talk about it? Tell me all your secrets And stay Stay So tell me Yeah, what's your favorite movie? Movie Can we get coffee? And tell each other stories Stories from when we were kids And we did what we wanted with our lives Yeah, with our lives This is it This is the part of the story where I talk about how I feel apart I don't know how I got this far Yeah, this is it From when we were kids 